we are today in part eight of our series, Journeying Through Our Statement of Faith. If you're just joining us, uh, we do have our Statement of Faith available at any of our connection centers. We have it available on our website. Uh, and so what we've been doing is just taking these 10 state statements, these 10 declarations, and breaking down one of them each week. So we are getting towards the end of this series. Uh, and today we're going to talk, as, as we've already said, we're going to talk about the church. Uh, and as Hunter said, that's not the building, that's you. That's us, right? The people make the church. So today we get to talk about the church. Uh, next week we're going to talk about what we believe about communion. We're going to partake in communion together and see the, the value of this uh, incredible experience. Uh, the, the April 10th, Palm Sunday, as we finish this series, we're going to talk about what we believe about baptism. As we baptize people, as we help them to take that step forward in their faith. Um, but today we're going to talk about what we believe about the church. So let's look at our paragraph from our statement of faith as we have been doing. And then we will uh, break this down as we go. The purpose of the church on earth is to fulfill five God-given purposes, primarily found in two passages of scripture known as the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So we, we build our ministry based on these two passages. We'll look at the passages, we'll look at the five purposes as we go. Therefore, the church exists to turn seekers into fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. A fully committed follower of Christ commits to membership in God's family, growing in Christ-like maturity, serving in ministry in the church, and fulfilling Christ's mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. That's what we believe about the church. So what we're going to do is take each of those sentences, there's three, break them down, dig into them a little bit, look at what they are teaching us, what they're saying, and then we're going to build from there. So, uh, number one, the purpose of the church on earth is to fulfill five God-given purposes primarily found in two passages of scripture known as the great commandment and the great commission. So when we say the purpose of the church, this is not the purpose of city church. This is not the purpose of our churches of which we are a member, a church planning organization. This is not the purpose of assemblies of God churches of which we are affiliated. This is the purpose of church. If you are a church of Jesus, this is what the Bible teaches. This is why God created the church. This is the biblical purpose of church, is to fulfill five God-given things. And we'll unpack each of those things in just a moment. But first of all, we're going to look at the scriptures. Because these things are found in two scriptures, the great commandment and the great Commission. Obviously, there's a lot more teaching in the Bible on church. There's a lot more that we can unpack, but if we distill it down to its most basic essential forms, we find these foundational verses and these five purposes. So the great commandment, you're probably familiar with it. Hopefully, you are aspiring to live to it. Jesus says this in Matthew 22, 37. Somebody asks him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say all. With all your soul. Everybody say all. With all your mind. Everybody say all. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment but he says hey the second one is like it it's in equal proportion equal significance it matters as much love your neighbor as yourself next saturday we get to love our neighbors 
as we do serve day. Easter weekend with Mission OB, we get to love our neighbors, right? We get to demonstrate publicly, visibly, outwardly that we don't just live for us, that we are living for our neighbors. We're loving our neighbors as ourselves. So the greatest commandment is love God. Second is like it. Love people. We can pretty much distill it all down to that, right? That is what it means to be a believer. That's what we are called to do. We're called to vertical love for God, horizontal love for others. Then the Great Commission, a few chapters later, again, you're probably familiar with it. Jesus says this to his disciples in one of his final conversations with them before he's going to ascend into heaven, before he's going back to Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of, there's that word again, all nations, right? We're going everywhere. We're going global. Make disciples of all nations doing what? Baptizing them. Part of the purpose of the church is to baptize. We get to do that in a couple of weeks. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So Jesus gives these very foundational teachings, very popular teachings, right? Like if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard of the great commandment, you've heard of the great commission, you've at least been exposed to these ideas. These aren't revolutionary, they're foundational. They're, they're things that we should all be basing our lives on. They were revolutionary when Jesus introduced them, though, uh, right? They're, they're revolutionary, very contrary to the way that we would live apart from Christ. So that's our first one. We'll come back and unpack the five purposes a little later on. Second thing, says, therefore, the church exists to turn seekers into fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. So, so a seeker is somebody who doesn't know Christ, but, but God's working on their heart. God's beginning to draw them. God's beginning to show them, hey, there's an emptiness without me. There, there's an unfulfillment. There's something missing in your life. And so they're starting to seek what is truth, man? What, what, what is the purpose of all this? What, 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 who is God? What does this look like for me? And so our job, the purpose of church, is to find those people and to help them come along this journey from being a seeker, being apart from God, and get them to a place where they are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. So it says not to make them Christians, not to make them church members to make them fully committed followers of Jesus, right? The, the reality is there's a whole lot of people in America who call themselves Christians who are not fully committed followers of Jesus Christ, right? And we can get into eternity. We can debate, hey, are those people going to heaven? Are they not? The, the reality is I think there's some of each. I think there's some of those people who have truly given their lives to Jesus, and yet they haven't taken that step to, to begin pursuing full commitment to him. I think there's some of them who just call themselves Christians because they know somebody who's a Christian, or they were raised to be a Christian, or they happen to go to a church, and they think, hey, this makes me a follower of Jesus, but they haven't given him their heart. Uh, and so it's not our job to identify which or which. God's the one who's going to sort that out, and I'm glad I'm not the one who has to sit on that throne. I'm glad I'm not the one who has to make that decision, which one is with him and which one is not. But my job and your job as believers is we're supposed to, number one, become a fully committed follower of Jesus ourselves, and number two, help others along that process, along that journey to where there's no question, there's no debate. Man, when I die and my kids are at my funeral, I don't want them to have to wrestle with, where's daddy? 
I've done a lot of funerals like that recently, where there's somebody in the crowd wondering, Pastor, I don't know where my mom is. I don't know if she's with Jesus or not. And the reality is there's a lot of people that have to wrestle with that question at the end of life. But we don't have to leave our kids behind questioning that. I've also been at a lot of funerals of people who were clearly fully devoted followers of Christ. And their funeral was sad, but it was a celebration. Man, they're in a better place. They're with Jesus. They're healed. They're restored. They're dancing right now. They're at the feet of the one who loved them. There's a difference in a funeral between when you know somebody loved Jesus and you don't. One of the greatest gifts you can leave to those who love you, not just your kids, but certainly to your kids, is, man, there's no question. I know there is fruit, there is evidence, there is proof that this person loves Jesus with all they are. Not that you're perfect, not that you're flawless, but that you're a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what our job is, is to help people along that journey. And we'll talk in a little bit about what that looks like. How do we do that? Thirdly, uh, a fully committed follower of Christ commits to membership in God's family. Some of you are going through discovery right now, getting ready to become members of City Church. I mean, we're so excited for you as as you take that step. We'll talk about that. Um, Becoming members in God's family and growing in Christ-like maturity. So a fully devoted follower of Christ does that. They serve in ministry in the church. They fulfill Christ's mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. That's what that looks like. That's what that means. That's how we do this. A fully committed follower commits to membership in God's family, growing in Christ-like maturity, serving in ministry in the church, fulfilling Christ's mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. So there's four things listed there, right? It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to check our heart. Man, where am I at in this list? Am, am I doing these things? Am I living up to what God is asking of for me as a fully committed follower of Jesus? And, and I'm not putting you down if you're not. I'm not saying, the man, you're, you're worthless as a Christian or, or anything like that. I'm just saying, hey, Let's, let's allow God's word to speak into our lives today and see, hey, if there's some room for progress, if there's some room for improvement, if there's something that's missing, let's, let's address it. So let's talk about the five purposes of the church. What is the church called to do? Because ultimately, these five things help people go along that process. How do we take people from seekers to fully devoted followers of Jesus? Well, a church has to evidence these five purposes, walk in these five purposes. The first one is discipleship. It's right there in the Great Commission, right? What did Jesus tell them to do? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but he says to make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. He didn't say make Christians of all nations. He didn't say make converts of all nations. He said make disciples of all nations. What's a disciple? It's a follower. It's the best, simplest definition. A disciple is a follower. It's someone who is following Jesus, who's pursuing Jesus, who's going after Jesus. That's a disciple. And so one of the purposes of the church, one of our jobs, is to disciple. Discipleship means to to edify, to build people up in their faith, to take them from a, a baby Christian, from a new Christian, from an immature Christian along a path to spiritual maturity as they choose to follow Jesus. Our church grows deeper 
through discipleship. God's called us to grow deeper. How do we disciple people at City Church? Well, we see this evidenced in a number of ways. We see it in our city groups. Man, our, our city groups are, are discipling people, wrestling with life issues in our men's group, our women's group, uh, in Steve's message application group that's not quite as heavy and as deep at Mercedes Pottery Group, but that's a, it's a fun group. It's a chance to connect with people, right? Like, it's a, it's a great way uh, for us to grow together. That group's going to fall more in this next category. We'll see fellowship in just a little bit, uh, which is another purpose of the church, so it matters. We're called to discipleship. What we're doing right now is a discipleship series. This is not a series for unbelievers. This is not a series where we're hyping you up, man, go bring all your unsaved friends to come hear about the purpose of the church, right? That's not really what they're looking for. This is, this is pouring into God's people. This is taking God's people on a step, on a journey closer to God. Last fall, we did a series on, on the Holy Spirit. It's a discipleship series, man, where, where we're experiencing the relationship with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit has for us. So, so many times a year, we're going to do discipleship-oriented series where we're pouring into God's people, we're equipping God's people to grow. It's one of the foundational purposes of the church. But it's not just a foundational purpose of the gathering of the church. It's a foundational purpose of the church, of believers of the church. And so Jesus looks at his followers and he says, go make disciples. So I want to challenge you today. I want to encourage you today. God's called you to be a disciple maker. God's called you to discipleship. And, and what that means is you make disciples is you're bringing people along with you. You're pouring into them. You're encouraging them. You're teaching them how to walk out the faith that you have. One of the most basic assignments as a disciple maker is raising kids. As a parent, you are a disciple maker. You, you are teaching your kids. You are handing them the keys to the kingdom. Man, I'm so grateful for Kids City. I'm so grateful for Regina, who's actually in service with us today and not in Kids City. Give it up for Miss Regina Calvin. Thank you for coming alongside us and discipling our kids. Thank you for pouring into three incredibly crazy Southern children uh, and a whole crew of other crazy children. Man, we're so grateful. But you know it's not Regina's job to disciple your kids? It's not Amanda and Megan and Tristan and the other people who serve in Kids City. It's not their job to disciple our kids. It's their job to assist us in discipling our kids. Right? It's their job to come alongside us, to, to pour into our kids the same stuff that we are because it's cooler when it comes from them than it comes from us. You know what I'm talking about? Same thing with the 662. It's not Pastor Brayden's job to disciple our teenagers. It's not the youth leader's job to disciple our teenagers. It's their job to come alongside us and, man, say the same things because especially with teenagers, it's more impactful coming from a youth leader than it is from a parent, right? There's just that phase where they don't want to hear it from you, but we're still pouring it into them. That's just one level of discipleship. Man, you're discipling your coworkers. You're discipling younger believers. You're looking for people who are coming into the church who don't know Jesus. Man, let me get, let's go grab lunch. Let's go grab coffee. Let's build a relationship. Let's build a connection. Meeting people in your city group. Man, where you get to play a part in the discipleship process. Man, that, that all of us have a role to play in discipleship. Amen? Amen. Secondly, fellowship. I love this one. Man, I love this one. This, the church is my people. 
Man, I, I, I get energized when I'm around you guys. I, I feel better when I get to be around City Church people. There's just a breath of fresh air that happens when I encounter you guys. And that's God-given, that's God-ordained that we need that, that we desire that. In, in discipleship, we're called to edify. In fellowship, we're called to encourage. You know, it just encourages one another when, when we're around each other. There's just a natural level of encouragement that happens. Uh, churches grow deeper in discipleship. Churches grow warmer through fellowship. Man, God forbid we ever have a cold church. God forbid we ever have a church that somebody walks in and they just feel there, there's no love here. Man, there, there's no love for people here. Okay, it might be cold in the room. This, <laughs> this, this, is, this is a building. I'm talking about the church. You know what I'm saying? Right? I get it, I get it, I understand. Um, we want to make sure that the church has a warmth to it, right? That, that, we, that we love each other. Man, this weekend, I could tell you, these 25 married couples, there was warmth in this place. Man, both for husband to, to wife, but man, just from couple to couple, as, as we got to interact, as we got to do meals together, there's something about food that just makes fellowship better, praise God, hallelujah, uh, we, we ate good, we had Germantown Commissary and Avellino's, it was a good weekend, um, man, there, there's, there's something about breaking bread together, right, that there's, there's fellowship, Hebrews 10 says this, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So it's my job as a believer, not as a pastor, your job as a Christian to spur one another. What's one another? Other Christians, right? It's our job in the church to make each other better. What, what happens when a, when a cowboy, and I am not a cowboy, but when a cowboy sticks those spurs in the horse, what happens? The horse goes faster, right? So how do we spur each other on? Man, we're, we're encouraging, let's, let's do more. Man, let, 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 let's get out there. Let's, let's make stuff happen. Yeah, we're not kicking each other and stabbing each other with violent, painful spurs. Uh, it tells us how to do it. It says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That, man, when we gather, that's an encouragement. When we meet, there's an encouragement. And then the author of Hebrews says this, and all the more... As you see the day approaching. In other words, the closer it comes to Jesus coming back, the more we need each other. The more we need fellowship. The more we need this. Here's what the enemy wants to do. The closer it comes to Jesus coming back, the less we gather. I'm going to take just a minute and speak to those of you who are worshiping with us online. We've invested a lot to make it available for you to worship online. We are grateful that you get to worship online with us. We know there's situations where people are working, people are sick, people are on vacation. And, man, that's, this, this allows you to stay connected. It's a good thing. We are grateful for it. We know there's people. I mean, there, there's a couple of little old ladies in our church who haven't darkened the doors of this building for a couple of years because they've reached that point, and especially with COVID and stuff, where, man, they're, they're worshiping from home. And we recognize that. We validate that. I also know there's some of you who are worshiping from home because you would rather worship in your pajamas than be at church. Uh, and if that's you, I'm not condemning you. I'm not shaming you. I'm telling you you're missing out because you can't do fellowship on the other side of a screen. We've got the most technologically connected generation in history and the most disconnected people in history. Why? Because technology doesn't build fellowship. 
The only way we can have fellowship is together. And so I'm not talking about the ones who can't be here because they're, they're little old ladies. I'm not talking about the ones who can't be here because they're working and their work situation keeps them. I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning you. For the rest of you, though, if you're at home today just because you didn't feel like getting out of bed, you just got to know you're missing something. And I think deep down inside, you know it. I think deep down inside, you realize that there's a piece of what God has prepared for me, what God has called me to, that I'm not experiencing right now. And man, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you next week. No pajamas. I don't care. Wear your pajamas here. If that's, what, if that's all it is, is the PJs, wear your pajamas to City Church. Just be here so you can fellowship. Man, we'll take selfies with you in your PJs. I don't care. Man, we just want to have you access what God has for you. Church, can we validate that? Can you say amen to that? Man, I know the temptation. I get it. And obviously, I have to be here. So it's a little bit different, right? Like, I, that doesn't mean that I don't have mornings where I don't wake up and say, man, I wish I didn't have to go to church today, right? Like, if I'm being real, most mornings when the alarm goes off, I'm not waking up and saying, yes, we have church today. Hallelujah, right? Like, that's not my first response. My first response is, how much longer can I sleep, right? How long can I put the snooze bar back? Um, that's just my human nature, okay? But man, by the time I get here, by the time I get around you, I am always, always, always glad I came. Why? Because fellowship encourages one another. What's, what is encouragement? Encouragement means that you are making one another more courageous. Man, we got a world that wants to, to, to cause us to cower in fear, that wants us to shrink back, that wants us to hold back the light that's inside of us. And so when we gather, we're encouraged. No, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to let other people know about Jesus. I'm going to let people know that Jesus loves them. There's something that happens when we gather that doesn't happen if we don't. There's power in fellowship. It's also why you need more than just Sunday mornings, right? I'm not saying that Sunday mornings is enough. It's not. Sunday mornings is a start. Sunday mornings is a chance for you to get to know somebody's name, maybe ask them for a phone number, right? But we've got to be fellowshipping throughout the week. We've got to be in one another's lives. We've got to be getting into a city group. I think city groups is, is the best way you can have true fellowship, at City Church. It's the best way you can really build lives together. Um, it, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Thirdly, the purpose of the church is worship. The purpose of worship is to exalt. So discipleship edifies, fellowship encourages, worship exalts. It lifts up Jesus' name. Now, worship is not just music. Worship is so much more than that. Romans chapter 12 teaches us that, that our life is worship. But there is a ordained specific act of worship that scripture teaches on many, many places that is funneled through music. There's power in music. It's why we, every service, we take a few minutes. Man, we're going to worship before we do anything else. We're going to exalt his name. We're going to lift up his name before we do anything else. It usually takes about 15 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. Maybe on a, on a long Sunday, we have 25 minutes of worship. Again, Sunday morning isn't enough. It's just the start. We gotta be people of worship throughout the week. We gotta be people who are walking this out, who, who are engaging in this and doing this throughout the week. There's a ton of ways you can do this. Again, we live in the most technological generation and sometimes technology is good, right? Technology can be beneficial, it can be harmful. This is a great benefit of technology. 
is we've got access to all kinds of stuff. You don't have to fake. You don't have to sing it on your own. You don't have to go a cappella and hurt your family's ears, right? Like you, you, you can turn on music through a number of different ways. You may love the music we have here. If you do, we have a thing called City Church Sounds. I'd encourage you to take of. We got to take advantage of. We got playlists of all of our stuff. Everything that we do here at City Church is available to you on City Church Sounds. Find it on, on whatever your music provider is. Um, it'll be a blessing to you. You may hate the music we do here. And let me say this. If, if you hate the music you do here, that we do here, God still loves you, and we still love you. You don't, you don't have to, just because you come to City Church doesn't mean this is your favorite worship you've ever experienced, right? We're all wired differently. We all have different preferences. I, we, we don't expect that everybody who comes here is like, man, it's the greatest worship there ever was. We do expect that everybody who comes here desires to worship Jesus, right? And whether it's your favorite song or your least favorite song, whether you feel like we do this song too much or I, I've never heard this song before, man, Jesus is worthy to be glorified in this music. So if City Church isn't your favorite stuff, then maybe City Church Sounds isn't for you, but there's a worship playlist out there that is. Man, there, there's somebody who does music in a style that brings you into God's presence, that draws you to his place that you can take advantage of. But we're called to be people of worship. So proud of our worship team writing their own music. Man, we just did one of their songs this morning. You're not finished. They got more coming. Uh, they, they've got a whole EP coming out this summer that they cannot wait to, to share with you. Um, and what does EP stand for, Hunter? Exclusive premiere. Wow. I, I've, I've been a music lover 41 years, uh, and I never knew EP stood for exclusive premiere, so there you go. We all just learned something today. If you didn't learn anything else at City Church today, you learned what EP stands for. Uh, album shorter than 30 minutes. There you go. So they've got less than 30 minutes of music coming your way this summer. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this, they're shooting for about five songs on the EP. That's the goal. That's the target. Um, and they've got, I think, three of them fully recorded and ready to go. So, so it's coming. We want to empower you to take your worship to a new level. Man, and again, that, I'd encourage you to check it out. Even if this isn't your favorite style of worship, man, there's something about something written in this house. Man, that, that, that has the DNA of our church that I think has, a, has an even deeper power to it. But find something that can get you into God's presence. Because part of the, the, the purpose, part of the reason that God created the body of Christ is to exalt Jesus. Number four is ministry. Man, we're called to minister, which means to equip, to, to launch people out. The other way that I've seen this uh, is actually termed as service. So when we say ministry, we're not thinking of building a ministry, building city church. We're thinking of empowering God's people to be ministers, right? That's my job description as a pastor is to equip God's people for works of service. Uh, that means that we're all called to serve. Look at the person next to you and say, you're called to serve. Look at your second choice and say, God even got something for you, right? We're, we're called to serve, we're called to ministry. Um, in our statement of faith, as you join City Church, as you become a member of City Church, there's a number of, of declarations of commitments that people make that, that some who are going through discovery right now are making. I want to share with you one of them. One, one of the things you commit to as part of City Church is you say, I will serve the ministry of my church. Ray, why do I bring that up? Some of you signed a membership covenant 
17 years ago, right? Like, you, you don't remember what you committed to. Some of you did it like 17 days ago, and you don't remember what you committed to. Um, so I, I'm not saying this to be like, man, if you're not doing every aspect of this, you're getting kicked out of city church. We, we have not kicked anybody out of city church for not serving, okay? What I am telling you this is, this is the covenant you made before God. I'm going to be a part of this thing. And that may be once a month, right? It doesn't mean you're serving every week. It doesn't mean you're constantly doing stuff. But it means that there's a role for you. There's a part for you to play in building this place. And so there's, there's three sub-statements under there. It says how I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and talents. You have gifts. You have talents. Uh, by being equipped to serve by my pastors, by our leadership team, man, that, that it's our job. And really, we should tweak that to say our, by, by our staff, by, by our ministry leaders, because uh, it might be Regina who's equipping you. It might be Bianca who's equipping you. Uh, it might be uh, Hunter who's equipping you or Tim and Stacy. Like, we got a lot of different ministry leaders over a lot of different stuff, but, man, they're going to equip you. They're going to give you the tools, the training to help you where you're not just faking it. You're not just making it up on your own. It might be Melody equipping you to take pictures, by the way, man. What, what a blessing that we have a team of photographers now who are taking pictures of our services. What, what, what we've discovered is the first impression of a church used to be at the front door, but it's not the first impression anymore. About 95% of people, before they ever walk into a church, they have stalked the church online. Uh, it's just what we do, right? Before you go to a new restaurant, you look on the menu online. It's just the world that we live in. And so our first impression is no longer at the door. That's just the first impression of our Sunday experience. But the first impression of our church is outside of contact usually with anybody from our church. Uh, and so the reason you see people walking around taking pictures is not, it's not so we can have artwork for a new worship album, although that's a cool thing, right? It's so that we can show an authentic expression of who City Church is because people want to know. Well, what does this church look like? Is there anybody at this church that looks like me? Is there anybody at this church that's my age group, right? People, people have those questions before they visit a church. And so, man, thank you, those of you who are on that photography team serving under Melody. I'm so grateful that, that we've added that team. Um, I'm going to serve the ministry of my church by developing a servant's heart. So some of this is just practical. It's committing to a team. It's getting on a schedule. But this one's about the heart. I'm going to choose to develop the heart of a servant Man, I'm going to choose to, to allow the, the picture of who Jesus is that though he is the king, he chose to, to serve rather than to be served. I'm going to pursue that as my goal, as my heart, and I'm going to develop that. Some of us, man, servant's heart comes easy. Man, when, when I was a, a youth pastor, I got to see this. Uh, we, we do big fundraisers for mission trips, uh, and these were work. And we'd have teenagers, and you'd have some teenagers who came in in sixth grade, and they were, like, ready to serve. What can I do? And they were busting it, and then you'd have some that came in, and it's like they never picked up anything a day in their life. Uh, and I make fun of that, but I'm sure when I was in middle school, I was that kid, not the kid with the servant's heart. Uh, so, so we love both. But, man, it's beautiful when it's already been cultivated. Man, when the parents have already instilled that in the child and the youth pastor doesn't have to make that happen. God's called us to have a servant's heart, church. He's called us to that. He's called us to minister. So let me say this. If you're not currently serving at City Church, and this is your church home, you've signed a membership covenant, you've made that commitment, I'd encourage you to pray over the next few weeks. God, where do I need to get involved? We've got tons of opportunities for you. We've got tons of chances. We've got tons of different places. And, and know this, because I know some people, you've come from different church backgrounds, and it's like, man, I served in this thing, and they ran me into the ground. 
Our goal is to not run you into the ground. Man, we're going to put you on a schedule starting out once a month. Now, if you push and plead, hey, I want to do more than that, we're, we're not going to hold you back. But that's our basic, man, we want you to serve once a month. That's all we're asking as you begin. Now, if you really develop a passion for something and a gifting in something and you want to do more, then awesome. Uh, but, but we just want to give you an opportunity to be part of what God is doing to develop your gifts. Lastly, number five, fifth purpose of the church is outreach. The fifth purpose of the church is outreach to evangelize. Evangelize means to, to share the good news. Um, churches grow larger through evangelism. I believe God wants City Church to grow. Man, I'm grateful for the church that we have. And I'm grateful for, for the way that we came through COVID. I, I got discouraged I'm just a, a few times over the last couple of years. That like, man, look at where we were in March 2020 versus where we are now. Because, man, March 2020, this church was blowing up. I mean, we had 35 people going through membership. We had 15 people signed up for discipleship. Man, it was like God was just breathing all over it. And there have been a few times, if I'm just real transparent and honest, where I've been discouraged. Man, God, let's get back to that place. But... Then I talk to other pastors, and I find out that their church is running 60% of what it was, 40% of what it was before COVID. Man, COVID has taken a bite out of some churches, and we're running like 85, 90%. So I get frustrated that we're not at 100%, but man, I talk to somebody else, I'm like, God, you're too good to me, right? Like it humbles me, it reminds me, man, how good God is and how great you guys are. And how grateful I am for you. But I, true, I still believe that God wants us to grow. Even if, even if churches across America are shrinking, God wants us to reach more people. And that means we got to evangelize. Now, here's the thing, church, and I think this is going to continue more and more and more, that few and fewer people are going to get saved in churches and more and more people are going to get saved out of churches. I believe the end time revival that God wants to happen is going to happen when God's people start sharing their faith, not just telling somebody to come to church. And man, I love it when you tell people to come to church. I'm not telling you not to tell people to come to church. Tell them to come to church, but tell them about Jesus. Man, share your faith, share your testimony, share your story. We're all called to all five of these purposes. We're called to make disciples. We're called to worship. We're called to serve. We're called to fellowship, and we're called to outreach. We're called to evangelize. Some of us are going to be better at some of these than others, right? Hunter's worship is always going to be better than my worship is. That's just the way that it is until we get to heaven, and then God gives me a new voice. Hallelujah, right? Uh, but, but some of us are going to be geared more. Some of us are going to be better at sharing our faith. Some of us are going to have an evangelistic gift. I mean, every time we open our mouths, somebody's convicted and they want to give their life to Jesus. And most of us don't have that experience. But here's the mistake we make. We look at the person who has the evangelistic gift and we say, that's not me. So we don't evangelize. What if all we did was look at the person who has the worship gift and said, that's not me. And we didn't worship. Or we looked at the person who had the fellowship gift and said, that's not me, and so we never fellowshiped. Right? What if, what if we had that same response that we do with evangelism? The worship would be awful. It wouldn't be worship. It would be a concert. Right? Because we just come and admire the wonderful gifts on stage. Don't come and admire the wonderful gifts on stage. Come and admire the wonderful God who gives the wonderful gifts. That's worship. Right? And we're all called to evangelism. We're all called to share our faith. Some of us, it might mean we lead one person to Christ in our life. And if you leave one person to Christ in your life, that's one person who meets Jesus and misses hell because you chose to open your mouth. That's amazing. Maybe you lead 10 people to Christ. Maybe you lead 100. I don't know. I know this. We're all called to share our faith. 
we're all called to tell people about Jesus. And as we do, the church grows, right? So let's talk real, real quick as we close about City Church. Let's bring it to, to, to some specifics about us. We just looked at the five purposes of church in general that we believe we're called to embody. Why does City Church exist? City Church exists to reach this city, to reach Olive Branch by reaching one. That's our, our purpose statement, our mission statement, right? Um, yesterday, a lady got up and went to the bathroom. Little did she know she was going to live out the purpose statement of City Church, that she was going to get the chance to reach one, to love one who was hurting, who was broken. She had no idea that her bladder was being used by God, right? God can use anything. She got to live out that purpose. What a beautiful moment. Man, this, this lady's heart just broke for this person she encountered. She shared with me, Man, just, I'm praying for her. I got her name. I just wanted, I told her, man, you're going to be out in the community and you're just going to feel hope. You're just going to feel encouraged. And when you do, you need to know that's us praying for you. That girl may never come back into this building. Maybe she will. I don't know. But that's why we exist, that in every opportunity, in every moment, whether that person seems significant by the world's standards or insignificant, where it seems like they've got it all together or, or their life is falling apart, God has put you in their life to be a blessing, to encourage them, to reach them with the love of Jesus. We exist to reach this city one person at a time. So we get to do next week on Unserved Day. It's what we get to do Easter weekend, man. We get to serve and encounter some people. You hear me say this verse all the time, but we don't always put it on the screen, so I want to make sure you can see it. Proverbs 11, 11 says this. says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Like the city is lifted up. That's what exalt means. When we worship God, we lift him up. It's kind of a different concept to lift up a city. But we're called to lift up a city. We're called to lift up Olive Branch. Now, you might not live in Olive Branch. You might live in South Haven or Memphis or Bartlett or Hernando or Bahalia. Or like, insert your city here, right? Like, it's not really just about Olive Branch. It's about getting a heart for our community, getting a heart for where we're planted, where God has put us, that that place will be better. So we say here that we're hashtag 4OB, right? It's on the T-shirts, um, and that, that we're for Olive Branch. Why are we for Olive Branch? Because we serve a God who's for Olive Branch. We serve a God who loves our community, God who loves Memphis, God who loves Germantown, God who loves Horn Lake, right? It's, it's a God who loves whatever communities are represented in this room. That's our job as City Church, to be for our city. So, man, find those five purposes. Look at that. Are you involved in discipleship? If not, who can you begin to disciple? Who can you begin to pour into? Are you involved in fellowship? If you're not, if you're camping out online for the last two years, man, it's time to come home. It's time to begin experiencing the fellowship that God has created you for again. It's encouraging. I promise you it is. It might be scary the first time, but man, it's not going to be long. You'll be here three minutes and you'll be glad you came. Man, that fear, that anxiety is going to reside as you realize, man, I'm home. I'm where I need to be. We're called to fellowship. If you're not walking in ministry, if you're not serving right now, how can I serve? How can I plug in? How can I get involved? If you're not evangelizing, find where you can begin to evangelize, where you can begin to share your faith with others. We're all called to each of these purposes of the church. I'm 
so excited to see what God does. I think I skipped worship, my bad. Uh, good news is we get to worship at the end of service today. Uh, so if you're not worshiping, you get a chance to worship before you walk out of these doors. Um, and we get a chance to exalt his name, to lift him up. It's part of the purpose.